This podcast contains descriptions of violence against children and adult language and is not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hi everyone, and welcome to Suffer the Little Children, the true crime podcast giving voices back to the victims of child abuse and shining a harsh spotlight on the parents, guardians, and caretakers who silence them. I'm your host, Lane, and this is episode 110, Jeremiah Alexander. On the morning of Wednesday, March 18, 2020, police in Bakersfield, California responded to an apartment on a report of an eight-year-old child not breathing. Although Jeremiah Alexander was rushed to the hospital, she died of her injuries the same day. Her mother's boyfriend, 37-year-old Clint Mason, who had been caring for Jeremiah when she was fatally injured, fled on foot and was apprehended the next morning. This is the story of a smart, sweet, caring little girl who adored her granny and sometimes got in trouble at school for talking too much. It's also the story of her unnecessary, brutal death at the hands of a man she should have been able to trust to protect her. This is the heartbreaking story of Jeremiah Alexander. I'd like to thank my newest patrons, Roxanne S. from Mountain Grove, Missouri, Kiana L. from Durham, North Carolina, and from Metropolis, thank you to Crystal with a K. I appreciate all of you so much. To make a pledge, you can visit patreon.com slash stlcpod. I've been following Jeremiah's story since I first wrote about her on Suffer the Little Children blog back in March of 2020, so when her killer entered a no-contest plea earlier this year and was then sentenced, I had mixed feelings. In part, I was relieved for her family that at least this part of their nightmare was over and that they wouldn't have to sit through the horror of a trial, but I can't help wishing this awful man could have been forced to take full accountability for what he did. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'll go ahead and tell you the story of the sweet little girl whose family called her Maya and Pumbaa. At 5.44 a.m. on Wednesday, March 18, 2020, police in Bakersfield, California, were called to Unit No. 5 in the apartment block at 2711 San Dimas Street on a report of a child not breathing. Inside the apartment, officers found eight-year-old Jeremiah Alexander unresponsive and suffering from obvious signs of trauma, according to the Bakersfield Police Department's official Facebook account. Other sources said Jeremiah's body was covered from head to toe with bruises. First responders began life-saving efforts, and Jeremiah was rushed to the hospital. Sadly, later that morning, Jeremiah Amira Alexander, who was born on October 12, 2011, succumbed to her injuries. Reportedly, Jeremiah's mom, 33-year-old Amber Fisher, went to work the previous evening, leaving her daughter in the care of her boyfriend, 37-year-old Clint Mason, who was the father of Amber's youngest child. Amber worked as an overnight caregiver, and she had no reason not to trust Clint, because they had been together for about five years, and as I said, he was the father of her youngest child. 
there was no indication if any other children were home at the time of the incident that left Jeremiah fatally injured. Police launched a manhunt for Clint, who did not own a vehicle and was thought to have fled the apartment on foot after Amber made the 911 call. Clint Damon Mason of Bakersfield, California, who was born on October 8, 1982, was described as a black man weighing 235 pounds at a height of 6 feet 2 inches. Police said that due to a pre-existing injury, he walked with a limp. He was last seen wearing a black hoodie near the apartment building, although police believed he may have been headed for the Los Angeles area, where he was originally from and where many of his family members still lived. The following morning, Clint was arrested without incident at a Motel 6 in Inglewood and transported back to Bakersfield, where he was held without bail in the Lurdo Justice Facility on three felony charges, including first-degree murder, torture, and willful cruelty to a child. As it turned out, Clint had a minor criminal record dating back to 2001 when he was charged with possession of marijuana for sale. He had a few other minor arrests throughout the years as well, including refusal to leave state grounds, obstructing or resisting a public or peace officer, and something to do with a health and safety code. But Jeremiah's murder appears to be the first violent crime he committed, or at least the first one he was charged for. According to true crime vlogger Casey Renee on YouTube, Amber's family stated that she and Clint had a volatile relationship and that he had violent tendencies. Reportedly, the police had gotten involved in the past, possibly responding to a domestic situation, although it appears no charges were ever filed in that regard. After Jeremiah's death, a GoFundMe campaign was created by Demond Coleman, one of Jeremiah's older cousins. He wrote, Jeremiah was such a beautiful, smart, sweet little girl. She had the brightest smile, supportive, hardworking, and very understanding. She always made those around her smile. At such a young age and so full of life, she made a difference in everyone and cared deeply about the people she crossed. She was always a big help to her little brothers who will miss her dearly. She always wanted peace and never no negativity. Maya was also such a spiritual little girl, always wanted to pray to God. Tragically, Jeremiah's was the second death in as many months to devastate the family. Exactly one month before Jeremiah's death, Amber's 39-year-old cousin, Christy Allen, died tragically of an unspecified illness. Sadly, due to the pandemic, Jeremiah's family was unable to hold a standard funeral for the little girl, although they did have a small, private service during which a small number of family members said goodbye to their sweet Maya. After arriving at the cemetery in a motorcycle-drawn carriage fit for a princess, Jeremiah, in a beautiful, fluffy white casket unlike anything I've ever seen before, was laid to rest next to Christie in Union Cemetery in Bakersfield. Jeremiah's paternal aunt, Tamika Daniel, talked about her niece on Facebook Live, remembering how Jeremiah loved to go to church and spent every other weekend with Tamika's mother, Jeremiah's paternal grandmother, who she called Granny. Tamika, who is the sister of Jeremiah's father, Jermaine, said, She loved my mama. She slept with my mama. She fondly recalled Jeremiah once telling her about getting in trouble at school for talking too much, but she remembered her niece as a good kid who was full of life and with whom the family never had a bad time. She described playing a recent game of duck-duck-goose on the trampoline with her young niece. Tamika said of Jeremiah's death, It's a hard pill to swallow. She was stolen from us, and she was just a baby. She said the family was not allowed to see Jeremiah at the hospital, but that she wouldn't have wanted to see her niece in that condition. 
Tamika also said that a lot of people have been bashing Jeremiah's mother, Amber, on Facebook and lamented that this was not the time. Tamika said she couldn't be angry with Amber herself and that the loss of their daughter must be the most devastating thing in the world for the little girl's parents. Tamika's daughter, Alasia, who was 19 when her cousin died, asked Tamika why God didn't take her instead of Maya. Alasia took Jeremiah's death particularly hard, as she was very close with the little girl, frequently posting photos of the two of them together on social media and referring to Jeremiah as my baby. In May of 2020, documents filed in California's Kern County Superior Court became available, revealing much more about Jeremiah's death. As it turned out, Jeremiah's fatal beating was captured on surveillance video inside her family's Bakersfield apartment. Jeremiah's mom, Amber, showed police video clips taken around 9.30 p.m. on Tuesday, March 17, 2020, in which Jeremiah was seen bent over an ottoman while Clint Mason loomed over her with a metal cane. In the videos, Clint held the cane with both hands as he brought it down repeatedly in vicious overhand blows to Jeremiah's backside, while the helpless little girl cried out in pain, begged Clint to stop, and screamed, No. According to the documents, Clint could be heard in the clips telling Jeremiah, I don't give a This is what you wanted. And This is not going to end well for you. Trust me when I tell you that. According to reports from the Bakersfield Police Department. When she didn't lie still, Clint snapped, Want me to put my leg in your neck? Amber told police she had surveillance cameras inside her apartment because one of her children suffered from a skin condition, so she monitored him so he wouldn't scratch himself. At one point during the video, Clint attempted to turn the video camera away from himself, but because it was motion-activated, it returned to its position and resumed recording the savage beating, which, in addition to the metal cane, also involved a belt. After the attack, Clint told police, Jeremiah could not walk upstairs to her bedroom, so he carried her. He also admitted she told him she felt sick and was having trouble breathing. When Clint checked on her around 5 a.m., she was unresponsive. At that point, Clint called Amber in tears. Amber told police that Clint said to her, You need to come home. Something wrong with Maya. I don't think she's breathing. Something wrong with her. When Amber arrived at home, her panicked boyfriend told her, I can't get in trouble for this. I don't believe she's breathing. Amber called 911 as Clint fled the apartment on foot. Jeremiah was taken to Bakersfield Memorial Hospital, where, sadly, she was pronounced dead. Clint explained to police that he beat Jeremiah to motivate her to do chores around the house after she failed to do her homework. Clint, who faced up to life in prison if convicted, which seemed inevitable based on the video evidence, was arraigned on Friday, March 22, 2020. In September of that year, the Kern County Sheriff's Office announced that Jeremiah's cause of death was hypoxic respiratory failure due to the combined effects of acute bronchopneumonia, sickle cell trait, and multiple blunt force traumatic injuries. The manner was determined to be homicide. There was no other news in the case until Tuesday, February 22, 2022, when 39-year-old Clint Damon Mason pleaded no contest to first-degree murder. A no-contest plea in California basically means the defendant agrees to accept a conviction on their charges, but does not admit to being guilty when entering the plea. A no-contest plea has to be approved by the court and basically has the same legal effect as a guilty plea. 
As part of his plea agreement, after pleading no contest to first-degree murder, Clint's charges of torture and child cruelty were dismissed. Exactly one month later, with very little fanfare, on March 22nd, Clint was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. As of this recording, Clint is still being held in Kern County's Lurdo Justice Facility, awaiting transfer to state prison. Last week, I had the privilege of speaking with Tamika Daniel, Jeremiah's paternal aunt, who shared with me what a special little girl her niece was. I'd like to play that interview for you now. From what I understand, Jeremiah was an adorable, sweet girl that everyone just adored and such a huge loss. So adorable. I remember I was uh, there when she was born. And of course, it's just uh, me and my brother. So that was my first niece because my mom only had two kids. So she was the first one Mm -hmm. to come in our life as a baby. So I have four kids and they adored her. Everybody adored her because she was the baby. You know, everywhere I went and if I could get her, I'll get her. Just just adorable. Just just loving little girl. Loving. I swear. Just I couldn't imagine no other loving girl like her. She just was just amazing little girl. Just amazing. She sounds great. I'm just everything I've learned about her. But that's uh, another big part of the reason that we're here is to keep her memory alive because she's right. so we're, special. Thank you. Thank you so much. We, we I appreciate that so much. Oh, no problem at all. I do like to raise awareness of child abuse and things that can happen and the dangers that are out there. But of course, that's only part of it because the kids deserve to be remembered for who they were, not just yes. what happened to them. Yes, of course. How is your brother holding up? You know what? My brother, he has his days. He'll call me and he'll ask me to pray for him or say something reminded him of her. And he thinks a part of it is because he didn't protect her. But I I said, you done the very best you could and you knew how. So, you know, it it wasn't your fault. Something that happened devastated us. But, you know, but he's holding up pretty good. I mean, he has his son with him. So, you know, I tell him to adore and cherish him and things like that. That's all I could do. He bought me a bear the year that she died, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a Build-A-Bear. And I just want you to hear it. So when I feel bad or something, I turn this on. So that makes me very happy because that's who she was. She wanted everybody to be happy. She didn't like nobody arguing or bickering. She just didn't. She wasn't that kind of kid. Oh, she sounds like such a sweetheart. Yes. Is your daughter Alasia? Is that right? Alasia. Okay. And she seemed like she was close with her. Oh, she posts her all the time. She was very, very, very close to her. Very, very close to her. Because like I said, Alasia is my baby. So she was the baby before Maya came. So they would spend time together and she would go to my mom's house and spend a night when my mom and my brother had the kids very close to her. Very. Yeah. She was one of my kids that was very close to her. Yeah. That, that hurts her really bad. And we learned to live with it. We never forget it, but we learned to live with it. And, you know, I have my days too. I have my days. I went to the cemetery yesterday and I went to see my dad and Maya is on the other side. I have to feel I can't explain it, but I can't always go see Maya. The last time I went to see her, we were going to see somebody else. And Maya's, Maya was right across from the guy we were seeing. And I remember um, 
because her mom keeps her grades so pretty. And I was like, hi, Maya and stuff. And oh my God, you should have seen her windmills. They start going so fast, so Uh fast. I said, you know, I'm here. And they just going, just going really fast. And it wasn't even windy. And I was like, oh my God, I just couldn't believe it. So I was like, this girl here, she just, she, she makes me know that she's still with me, you know? Oh, that's amazing. It's so cool when you get to see signs like that. Yes. Yes. If anybody goes through it, her dad and her mom goes through it the most. They spent the most time with Maya. Of course, she gave birth to Maya. Maya was in her care. So I'm sure she deals with that. I pray for her all the time because I can't imagine losing my baby. And, you know, I just couldn't imagine it. So she's taking it day by day. She got two wonderful sons that keep her going. So she's just dealing with it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's got to be a different process for everybody. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I'm sure it's day by day. There's going to be different feelings. And I know I've talked to a lot of family members and, and everyone says, you know, you never you never get over it. You just always have to kind of deal with it. And it's always there at some level. Yeah, and then Maya was so young. So I, I think that that really done something to everybody mm-hmm. because she was just just a little girl, just a little girl. So that right there, is a different, you know, like my dad, my dad was older. He lived his life, but Maya never got to live hers. So it's kind of different, you know? There's a lot of things she didn't get to do for the first time or at all. Yes. Correct. Correct. That one person can have that kind of effect on an entire family and just, just devastate like that. Yeah. How did you feel when you heard that he was pleading no contest? My initial reaction was, how could you, you know, you did this. How how could you do this? Like, you know what you did. I'm sure it plays in your mind every single day. Why don't you just deal with the consequences? You'll be in there the rest of your life. And we still have to out here deal with my not being here. So, you know, a lot of different emotions, of course, upset because he a monster. That's all I could just a monster. Hearing the things he did, I I cannot disagree with you on that. He he was not a good person, so I'm glad he's where he is at the very least. I I imagine the fact that there was a plea agreement there must have just been frustrating since it was all on video. It's not like he could have gotten away with it. Right. You know, I really don't know what that guy was thinking. The monster was thinking, you know, I really don't know what made, you know, you you question to what an eight-year-old done that bad to make you get that angry to do that to her. You know, I just, I don't know. I can't imagine there being anything that she could have done that could have been bad enough. Nothing she could have done deserved that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And he had at least one child, didn't he? It was Um, He had several. That's what they say. He had several kids. I don't know if he had in any contact with them. I don't know because he wasn't from Bakersfield. He was from Los Angeles. So that part, I don't know. I know that he had kids, though. And, you know, he'll never see his kids again. I mean, I'm sure their moms don't want them been around. So, you know, it's like a ripple effect. So many different people are affected in so many different ways. Exactly. I had written the story up for the blog a couple of years ago, but I've been following ever since and just hoping for justice for you guys. So I'm glad that at the very least he's behind bars. When he had to go to court, I wanted to read something, but we didn't even get to read nothing. 
I mean, we could give it to his attorney and he could read it, but I'm sure he wouldn't. I don't know if he really, but I miss the court. But my mom said her mom does such amazing job up there. Oh, good. Telling him how she feels. So I'm sure he felt that. She loved Reese's. So every time my mom or my brother would go get her, they would have her a Reese's because she loved Reese's cups. And I remember one of the things, um, she was a little, little thick little girl. So I used to call her, hey, hey, fat mama. And then when she got old enough, she said, Amy, because she called me Amy. Amy, I don't like that. I said, okay. I said, okay, I'm sorry. Can I call you something else? She said, yeah. I said, how about Maya Daya? And she said, okay, you call me. So after that, I start calling her Maya Daya. Because she didn't like me calling her because she was a little thick, thick little girl. And I thought and I love her being thick, you know, so that was, you know, my little word for her. Very good in school. Very smart in school. Loved school. Loved family. Loved family. And she spent a lot of time with your mom. Is that right? Well, my mom and my brother, they Mm -hmm. had her every other weekend. So the weekends that we had them. We always got together or we went to Chuck E. Cheese or something. Whatever my mom, whatever they wanted, my mom gave them, especially Maya. Now, my mom isn't the type of person that really show her emotions. But I know that that situation with Maya really tore my mom down because Maya was like her little best friend. She slept with her. She laid with her. She went everywhere she went, you know. I just remember, you know, I just kept on checking on my mom because I was like, when is she going to break? You know, but she just not that kind of person that she did cry and stuff, but she really is not the kind of person that shows emotions. Like I said, so my mom is one of them that I worry about because she was so close to Maya. She was so close to Maya, probably after her parents. It was probably my mom. She always bought them stuff, always took them places. And my mom's older, but she has little and um, he gives her joy. I can't stop saying how sorry I am. You know, it's just such an awful thing to happen to anyone, but especially someone so young and cherished. Like I said, it it doesn't get easier. You just learn to live with it. And um, I think our family is just learning to live with it. I remember one day. I was doing something and oh my God, I had the worst time in dealing with her loss. And I remember her mom coming over, brought me some flowers, the cupcake or something. And I thought that was so sweet. And she was like, I know I, I knew you was going through it. So I brought this and I appreciated that because she knew how close we was to Maya. So it was nice that she done that. I remember her doing that. That's really thoughtful, especially when she's got to be going through it herself. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Like I told you, I can't imagine what her and my brother go through on a daily because I know what I go through. So just a hard pill to swallow, you know. It's it's hard to imagine. And I, I really want people to understand that, you know, when something like this happens, it's way more than a news story. It's someone's actual family. It's someone's life. This child wasn't just a face you see on the TV. She was a real person. And- she was a real person. She was yeah. a real person. I remember getting a call. I work in schools. So we had just went on COVID. So that oh, morning man. I got the call. I'll never forget it. I got the call from her sister and she was like, Tamika, something happened to Maya. It's yellow tape everywhere. 
it looked like 48 hours, you know, the newscast 48 hours. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I don't know how, but I got over to her house and they said, go to the hospital. And we were all at the hospital. And I remember a detective got out the car and I remember asking him, I said, can you please tell me what's wrong with Maya? He said, ma'am, I'm just getting here. I don't know. I said, just please tell me that she's not dead. And he was like, I, I don't know. And I began praying and stuff. He went in and then we found out that she was deceased. So by the time he came out, I was talking to him. He said, you know, I've never talked to anybody like you before. He said, you're strong. And the way you prayed and I just never met nobody like you. And I was like, I don't know how I'm doing. And I said, I through God, I guess he said, but let me tell you this, this guy we will get and he will never walk the streets again. And I don't remember that detective name, but he stuck to what he said. They got him and he'll never walk the streets again. My family, her family was there. One of my friends singing. I remember praying. I remember all these things, but God got me through. And then the day of, because of course it was COVID. So we couldn't have a big funeral for everybody. It was just not a lot of people. And um, I remember my cousin sent me a prayer and I remember crying and I remember God saying, I'm preparing you. So when I walked up into the mortuary, I never thought I could do that. I walked up and I seen her and she looked at so beautiful. She looked at so beautiful a beautiful white dress. Her nails was painted. Her hair was bright. She just looked beautiful. And I touched her and I, I said, God, yeah. she looked just like, well, like an angel. And I remember saying a prayer and I remember her mom and dad put her away so beautiful. She had a white casket, but it had roses. Oh, it was beautiful. And she just was beautiful. It was just beautiful. And it was just like intimate because it was just her family and my family and her her grandpa, which is my brother's dad, is a pastor. So he kind of preached a little bit. And that must have been hard for him, too, because that's his granddaughter. I remember doing the doves. I don't know how, but I had peace. Even in this traumatizing time, I, I, I really had peace because I know I'll see Maya again. And that might sound a little strange, but I had peace. And I was able to go through that day calm. And I think I I had to be calm and I had to be strong for my mom and my brother and my children. I had to be the calm one. So I comforted them. And then when I got home later in the night, I cried and I cried because I did it. And I, I knew that I would never own this earth see her again. So it was hard to say the least. I saw a picture of her casket. It was just beautiful. And a carriage that they brought her in. It, oh, yes. So pretty. Yes. And, and I called my grandkids because my two grandchildren is five months apart and they're both girls. And she didn't get to meet. My son stays in Texas. So she didn't get to meet one of my grand. But she would always tell my mom, I want to see a more. I want to see a more. And um, she never got the chance to see a more face to face. So it's funny that we have this conversation today because I didn't tell anybody but my daughter that you were calling. And so I got a FaceTime with my granddaughter and my daughter-in-law. And my daughter-in-law said, guess what? And I said, what? 
She said, well, Maya's picture is on my son's phone and he's holding Maya. And my granddaughter, she's three. And she said, that's Maya. And um, her mom said, yeah, that's Maya. She said, that's Uncle Maine's daughter. And she said, yeah. She said, somebody hit Maya. The man hit Maya. And he he's bad. He's mean. And she said, I'm going to get my water gun and shoot him. He, <laughs> she said, I'm going to protect Maya. Maya can hide behind me. And I thought that was so strange that you called today. And I got that phone call today. Right. It seems pretty coincidental. My gosh. Yes. Yes. My granddaughter, she didn't never get to meet, you know, but I'm glad that she knows who Maya, we keep her name alive. Like, so I'm glad about that. That's just so cute too. (laughs) What a sweet thing to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so widespread. Just so many people affected in so many ways that you might not even think about right away. Yeah. Cousins and, and other people she didn't get to meet and And the people she did meet, I'm sure that everyone has, you know, a memory of her or something that they loved about her. And another way we keep her her name alive, and I got some bracelets that says, rest in peace, our Princess Maya. And it's an angel. And um, I never take off that bracelet. Oh, that's nice. She loved school. Did she like reading and that sort of thing? Oh, she loved reading. She loved math. She had an iPad. She loved doing little dances on her iPad. So many memories on her iPad because when she would go to my mom's, she would get on her iPad and she would call my daughter, have some videos her calling Alasia's in. Alasia, when you coming over? And stuff like that. So yes, she loved that. But she was very scary. Like she didn't like to get in a swimming pool. And she was kind of like a little scary little girl. She didn't like nothing that she wasn't used to. She mm-mm. she knew her comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, she knew her comfort zone. And certainly she would let you know if she was scared. She sounds like she had an amazing personality. Amazing, amazing personality. She was so lovable, lovable, lovable. And every time she would come over, because I started doing her nails. So every time she said, Amy, can you do my toes and my nails today? And I would have to do her toes and her nails every time she came over my house, just about because she loved that too. She loved looking like a pretty little girl. Well, she did that very well. <laughs> yeah, she did. She just seems so special. So I'm, I'm just so grateful that we got to do this and that you told us some more about her and she'll live on no matter what. Yeah, and definitely I'm going to make sure she lives on. I want to do a foundation in her honor, mm-hmm. um, the Maya Foundation. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but I definitely want to do it to help out, help out mothers and fathers that lose, you know, maybe they need expenses, you know, a couple of hundred dollars or something to help out with whatever they need because she loved helping people. I want to, I want to do that. I, I definitely want to do that for my idea. I actually had, uh, I talked about another little girl in Pennsylvania whose mom did that exact thing. She started up a nonprofit to help families who couldn't afford to lay their kids to rest or things like that. That's a, yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea to honor her memory. Well, once you get that up and running, if you want help putting the word out, just send it to me. I'll be glad to post it on all of my social media. I sure will. Thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you for helping us keep Maya's name alive. It certainly helps my family out for people to put a a name, a face with who she was, you know, 
the picture doesn't say who she was, the smile, she's pretty and stuff, but it was a lot more to Maya than, than that. So I think her heart must've been just enormous. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It was. During my conversation with Tamika, her 13-year-old daughter, Cecily, also hopped on our call for a moment to tell me her favorite memories of her cousin. My favorite memories about Maya is when, like, we, I used to go over to my granny's house every time she came over. And, like, we would get into, like, a fight, and the next minute we'll be cool with each other. Like, we'll start, we act like nothing ever happened. And, <laughs> and then when, my other favorite thing is, like, when we play outside together, and we always used to, like, drive her little toy cars together. We always used to make videos together. Thank you so much to Tamika and her daughter for sharing their memories of Jeremiah with me. It's always so special to hear from family members what these children meant to them and how they're remembered. Rest in peace, Jeremiah. You'll never be forgotten. My sources for this episode were bakersfield.com, KGET, People, GoFundMe, Facebook, Casey Renee on YouTube, The Bakersfield Californian, The Kern County Criminal Case Information Portal, Instant Checkmate, Tamika Daniel, and the Kern County Sheriff's Office website. That's it for this week. Join me next week for another episode. If you like the show, please follow or subscribe to Suffer the Little Children on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Spreaker, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening app. And please leave me a five-star rating and a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. Visit the website at SufferTheLittleChildrenPod.com, where you can listen to episodes or become a patron for rewards ranging from a shout-out by name on the show to bonus content and exclusive gifts. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, and Pinterest at SufferTheLittleChildrenPod, and on Twitter and TikTok at STLCPod. View photos related to today's episode on Facebook and Instagram. For more stories like the one you heard today, visit SufferTheLittleChildrenBlog.com. This podcast is researched, written, hosted, edited, and produced by Lane. All music for the show is licensed from AudioJungle.net. Email tips, comments, questions, or case suggestions to SufferTheLittleChildren.pod at gmail.com. For more information about preventing or reporting child abuse, visit childhelp.org or call your area's child abuse hotline. If you see something, say something. Until next week, bye everyone.